Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time, as always, for a glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. It's good to be back. It's been it's been an interesting week. We will say that, especially because we did not have a Tennessee game again because of COVID restrictions and things going on in the Texas A&M program. But hey, we're still going to talk about all the greatness that went on in the world of sports and professional wrestling. And of course, it's football season, so I've got my good buddy Trey Pack with me. Trey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, buddy. I had such a wonderful weekend, and I had completely forgot why until you said it. We were off this week. So. <laughs> Yeah, this is splendid. You know, we got to sit around, watch some football. It, it was a good weekend. I didn't get disappointed. It was great. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like all every Saturday for the past seven or eight has just been just just uh, just too many letdowns in a row. You know what I mean? That is true. And I I did have a really good betting weekend. Um, I got that special on Fanduel. And again, if you follow uh the Man in the Arena Facebook page, I've got my link to my stuff from FanDuel, so you can hop in on some of this stuff while the welcome things are still going on. Uh, they did a special with the Kentucky-Vanderbilt game where the the line started at 18.5, uh, Vanderbilt plus 18.5, but for every 250 people that bet on that game up to $50, the line would move and you would get whatever the final was. I think the line ended up being 84.5 for that game. Jesus, heck yeah. So that was pretty much a free $50 for me, which was really nice. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, 84 and a half, Vanderbilt just barely kept it in there. You would yeah. think, if, unless you watched the game, that game was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about some of these games. Because, yeah, it, Vanderbilt only lost that game by three points, which showed some heart and, again, is making me reconsider thinking that Tennessee might only beat Vanderbilt this year. We'll see where that all goes. But it was it was an interesting game. It was an interesting week because you had, again, what did we have, 15 games either postponed or canceled because of different outbreaks of COVID and contact tracing and everything. And just none of the other games were really that great, really, when you look at it. Whenever college football decides to have their, you know, the, their, their premier game day TV show at a golf course, there's too many games that got canceled. Yeah, that was really cool, though. I mean, it was interesting, and we'll talk about the Masters here in a little bit, but that was just kind of fun to have them there, though. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, definitely having two worlds collide, you know, anytime you make more than six figures, you love golf. So Herb Street and all those guys are super into it. I get it. Just was not, uh, just the, my point remains. There's not, if Notre Dame playing Boston College is the best game on, it's not great. Yeah. I agree. Uh, One of the things, though, we talked about the Kentucky-Vanderbilt game real quick. One of the best moments, though, of the week did happen in that game because Kentucky, they lost their offensive line coach, and he played offensive line at Kentucky. John uh, Schlerman passed away uh, the previous week in Kentucky on their first play from scrimmage, uh, honored him by leaving out, I believe it was the left guard, which was the position he played at Kentucky, and they took a delay of game penalty. And then, obviously, Vanderbilt just declined the penalty. And then after that, uh, Kentucky brought their player on, and he was wearing 65, which was Slairman's number. So I thought that was just a really cool moment. And it just shows, you know, again, those great moments in sports where they can pay 
just a great tribute to someone of their own. And they were able to run the ball really well against Vanderbilt in that game. So I think it helped inspire them to win. Yeah, man. I, I mean, just speaking as an offensive lineman, you're just such a close knit group of guys. You know what I mean? I, I would say an, an offensive lineman group is going to be closer than any receiving core, any running back group. Because, I mean, it, it's really the only position in football that, that you're obviously it takes 11 guys to win a game. But those five offensive linemen have to be in sync with each other. If one receiver runs a bad route, the other, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the other three receivers can run the right route. If an offensive lineman misses a block, the play's over. So, I mean, just those guys playing together like that, losing their leader, um, it was really awesome to see them come out there and get a win after that. Yeah, that was a great tribute, and again, yeah, it, it was wonderful to see, and it, it was interesting because I had some, uh, we had some family members over. We did our first Thanksgiving. We're doing like a staggered Thanksgiving because, again, of COVID and everything in my family, and it, it was interesting trying to explain to some of the people about a penalty because they're like, I don't understand why that coach would be happy that they were taking a penalty, and I was like, it didn't take any time off the clock. The other team declined the penalty. It was, it, it was fine. So it, it was just interesting. It's always interesting to try and impart what sports is to make sense to people who just don't watch sports. You don't get it, man. If, you, if you're not, if you never played it, if you've not been around it, it will never, ever make sense to anybody. Now, you want to talk about a crazy moment in sports? I did see a high school game where they did something similar uh, and the other team took the penalty. Yeah. Uh, which it, is, was not, it was a whole thing. <laughs> That's the optics are not good on that. <laughs> no, just let, let it slide. Let, you know, whatever it is we're trying to remember, let's just, you know, let's keep it at that. Absolutely. But the other big news, of course, coming out of the SEC was after South Carolina's 42 to 59 loss to Ole Miss, uh, Will Muschamp getting the old pink slip and is not your head coach of the Gamecocks anymore as South Carolina in their last three losses, have given up 59 to Ole Miss, 48 to Texas A&M, 52 to LSU, and Will Muschamp is supposed to be the big defensive-minded guy, but he is no longer the head man in Columbia. Yeah, I, I don't know where Muschamp goes from here. I mean, hopefully, uh, I, I think he'll a lot of a lot more coaches are going to go the Hugh Freeze route and take over a Liberty and App State somewhere of the sorts and try to have some success there to come back. Uh, but, I mean, the South Carolina job is it's big shoes to fill. I mean, Muschamp was, up until this year, was no chump. Um, and before that, you had Steve Spurrier. So, I mean, it's definitely a, an interesting job. What I do like is, is that I think South Carolina is setting a precedent that you can fire your coach in a pandemic. Yeah. And it's, but the good thing is, again, I still think the best job in this country is to be a fired football coach from a major program because I think Will Muschamp's collecting, I think, $13 million to not coach and not do your job. Those are the jobs that I want right there. Yeah. Won't you? You're so bad at this. We're going to pay you to not do it. Yeah. yeah. It's insane, but. That's the uh, the the entertainment factor of college football is right there. It's crazy. We'll pay Will Muschamp thirteen million dollars to not coach, but we won't play. We won't pay our players anything. It anything. Make it makes no sense to me. But you know they don't pay me to think. 
Nope, they don't. They just pay us to talk on this very fine podcast where, of course, you can listen on any of your fine podcast platforms. And, of course, like, subscribe, share, download, all that great stuff. Again, the Man in the Arena podcast. We're the Man in the Arena podcast for this one. Of course, talking college football. It, it just goes to show you, yeah, Will Muschamp, too, is one of those rare people who have been fired from two top-tier program jobs because usually you get like your one big, big shot and then you might not get another one or at least you're kind of successful at it. But he, Muschamp has just been kind of average both at South Carolina and at Florida. Right, and I think, you know, eventually he'll find a program, like I said, that's kind of second-tier that averages great. You know, a team like an Indiana or an Illinois, Indiana until this year, obviously, or an Illinois. Uh, I think he'll end up at one of those kind of smaller schools. Yeah. Um, and kind of, you know, either find success or not, you know. He might just have to be a coordinator. And again, he'd be a great defensive coordinator um, wherever he ends up. And of course, the first person to come to mind, I guess it looks to fill that void could be, of course, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, who Liberty, of course, has stayed undefeated, destroying Western Carolina this past week. But again, Hugh Freeze has run afoul of SEC Commissioner Greg Skanky. It, it, it is not kind of good with Greg Sankey there because of some of the moral things that Hugh Freeze did and, of course, lying about some of the recruiting tactics that he did at Ole Miss. So... South Carolina would have to almost do a show cause kind of thing or any, I think, SEC school, if they're wanting to hire Hugh Freeze, would have to do some kind of show cause penalty because if I remember, Sankey, he was being, uh, he was not even really wanting Hugh Freeze to be a coordinator in the league the past couple of seasons either. Yeah, man, but I think with time will heal all wounds. It does. I, I think as time goes on. Um, you know, at this point, how long has it been since you freeze been in the SEC? Five years? Long? It's been about that. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. Eventually. I mean, people make mistakes, man. Kiffin's the head coach at Ole Miss and did Tennessee dirtier than any SEC coach has done just about anybody. Yep. Um, you know, it, eventually you can come back. Hell, I would have Lane Kiffin back on the hill. Let Hugh Freeze coach in the SEC. Hell, yep. take Hugh Freeze on the hill right now. Yeah. <laughs> It would be really interesting, yes. Of course, Tennessee playing Auburn this weekend, which is going to be really interesting. I mean, again, their game against Mississippi State was postponed. You had a lot of big programs with postponed games that we talked about last week. Um, And, of course, we'll talk more about this when we make our picks, but Auburn is a team heading in one direction, and Tennessee is heading in the opposite direction. Uh, Auburn started off really shaky this season, but has done pretty well, at least on the back end so far of the season. Tennessee started out 2-0 and has just fallen off a cliff after that. So it's ooh, it's going to be an interesting game on the plains there at Auburn. Yeah, and we'll get into it more at the end of the show, I'm sure. But yeah, it's definitely it's going to be an interesting week, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I agree. You look at, again, some of these top 25 games that went, yeah. I mean, when you mentioned that the the Boston College-Notre Dame game was one of the interesting ones, that they've got some of these games in prime time, like Arkansas-Florida's your prime time game, and it's like, oh boy, that's that's rough. Kyle Trask, I don't know why he's not being more considered for the Heisman. He is just dropping dimes, it seems like, every week there for the Gators. 
Yeah, it blows my mind that they're considering Mac Jones, but not Kyle Trask. You know what I'm saying? It, it makes no sense to me. But, you know, I think Florida's, uh, you know, they win out, run the table, and then play Alabama close. Trask will have to be right in that conversation. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, one of the other things I know we both 100% agree on, it is not looking good for Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, Michigan, losing again to Wisconsin, who had not played since the first week of the Big Ten season, uh, and they lose badly at home, 49-11. Uh, I, th- I think you're going to have a mutual parting of the ways in Ann Arbor by the end of it, unless Harbaugh can somehow beat Ohio State. Yep, you're absolutely right. You took it out of my brain, Chibley, is that he'll he'll find a miracle way to keep Ohio State out of the playoff and we'll get another five years of hardball. It's it's gonna be interesting. When you look at this week, and again, we'll make the picks coming up a little bit later in this fine program at the end, but one of the things that I'm interested in, and that's why I'm kind of calling this prove it week for a lot of teams across the country because there's a lot of games where you've got some of these teams who have gotten a lot of press that aren't your traditional powers making some moves. When you talk about Indiana, they're in the top 10 and have looked great so far this season, but they're running across Ohio State, in Columbus. You've got Coastal Carolina. They're undefeated. They're ranked in the top 25, but they're playing another traditional solid team in that Sunbelt Conference in Appalachian State. And then, of course, you've got like Cincinnati's playing Central Florida, another really, really good team. Um, I mean, you've got, and then you've got, of course, the Bedlam game where Oklahoma State, are they going to be the true power there in the Big 12, or is Oklahoma just going to make them be little brother again? And then Liberty, they've got a chance to almost be ACC champion if they can go out and beat NC State. So again, we'll pick these games, but it shows that you've got some of these teams that want to get more recognition. They've just got to go out and prove it, and this Saturday is a great way to do that. No, you nailed it. It's definitely prove it week for so many teams. I'm really, really excited to – I've already picked them in our our pick, but I'm definitely excited to to kind of go over and see exactly what these lines are because I think there's going to be a lot of surprising finishes. Oh yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you got to leave it all out on the field and show that you you want to get you want to deserve the publicity you're getting. Prove it, Indiana. You want to beat everybody to really take you seriously. You somehow beat Ohio State. Oh, they are going to take you seriously. Oh, you're going to make the playoff if you beat Ohio yeah. State and went out. You're in. Oh, pretty much at this point, absolutely. Which would be great. I'd love. And again, maybe it's because we played them in a bowl game, but I love everything that Indiana's been doing, especially this season. Yeah, yeah. Well, the end of last season, losing to Tennessee and then you winning out, yeah, that's exactly what I want to see. Yeah. Moving over to the NFL, you had some interesting games happening. Uh, The Titans, of course, we recorded on Thursday. Uh, Last week we're recording on Thursday. This week the Titans, again, proving that they just cannot beat the Colts. It's just my old saying that I – save for everything death taxes Colts beat Titans like those are your assurances in life yep it's been that way for 20 years since <laughs> the 20 years I've been following the NFL as long as Peyton Manning started there in Indianapolis and the Titans have been in Nashville oh it has been that way that whole time uh Drew Brees is going to be out for a little while so this is going to be really interesting with those busted up ribs hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs but 
And of course, my 49ers, my beloved 49ers, are out, which makes me very upset uh, that they just have not been able to rally or do anything. But it looks like it's going to be Jameis Winston time for the next few weeks uh, with the Saints. Yep, which is terrifying. (laughs) I could not imagine. Uh, You know, Alvin Kamara is going to get a whole lot of touches in New Orleans the next couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, man. But of course, the greatest finish of the week had to be that Cardinals Bills game with the Hail Mary or the Hail Murray, as they are calling it there in Arizona. What just an amazing pass. The, the, it's especially because it wasn't even supposed to be a Hail Mary. They were just supposed to try and get down the field a little bit more to have a better chance at the end zone. Cause I think there was like 15 seconds left on the clock when that play snapped, but they were pressuring Murray for so long and he threw it running the wrong way and then Hopkins just again channeling, uh, just channeling Tennessee over Georgia from a couple of years ago with that hail mary catch. Just what a just a wonderful play there for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, DeAndre or uh, Kyler Murray had the best quote, not definitely not of all time, but it's right, it's top twenty quotes of all time. He said, "F it, D Hop is down there and chuck the ball." That is yep. incredible. <laughs> Yeah, that was a Juwan Jennings catch, is what that was. Just wanted it more than than the other guys, man. I mean, and yep. just if you look at the pictures and stuff, it is just, I mean, he is talking about a game of inches. He is just mm-hmm. inches above, um, you know, four other guys. So you just you just want that ball more than everybody else. Um, sometimes that's all it takes. And you've got to fill for the Buffalo Bills who. It scored, I think, with like 30-some seconds left to take the lead. And you think at that point, you've got this in the bag. And then that happens. And again, of course, the person I have no uh, bad feelings for is former Texans head coach Bill O'Brien, who as the general manager traded away DeAndre Hopkins, which at this point is like, what the heck were you thinking? Yeah, he mean, has been great for the Cardinals. Makes no sense, man. Absolutely no sense. And it sets up to be one of the most interesting Thursday night games, and that game is about to kick off as we are recording this. You've got just a great battle in the NFC West, which I wish my 49ers were going to be more of a factor in. But again, still the toughest division it looks like in the NFL this season as the Seahawks and the Cardinals are playing each other. My goodness, that's going to be a great Thursday night game. Yeah, for sure. Man, I I love how much quality NFL football has been on, especially in the past couple of weeks. It's been super, especially during the week. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's always a decent, you know, college game on on Friday nights or whatever, but Thursday night football is unrivaled. They have made these games better by making them divisional matchups, which I think has been key because I know for the first few seasons of Thursday night games, they were just dull and not good at all. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. I want to talk to you about one of these plays that a lot of people have gotten uh, kind of up in arms about. I, I want to get your take on it. It was the did you see what happened at the end of the Cleveland Browns uh, Houston Texans game with Nick Chubb running out of bounds instead of scoring just to preserve the win? I did not see that. No, and I you know me, I'm a Browns fan. Yeah, I, I missed the game this week. Uh, I you know you know what's going on with me. Yep. Uh, yeah, I missed it. So explain to me what happened. All right, so again, the the Browns are up 10 to 7, and the line by the way is four and a half. Uh I might have won a teaser or a, not a teaser but a parlay because of this, like a three-team parlay for 50 bucks. I might have won because Nick Chubb decided to do this. 
So Nick Chubb breaks away. He's going to run into the end zone. But instead of running into the end zone and going to put the Browns up by 10 points uh, and pretty much end the game because there's only like a minute and a half left, uh, he runs out of bounds, which just allows the Browns to take a few knees and just end the game. Uh, so, of course, you have people happy, hey, they won the game, but then, of course, you know there was a lot of Browns fans who probably bet on the four and a half points, which would have given them the W uh, on the betting had Nick Chubb actually scored a touchdown. Right. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, what a nightmare. <laughs> um, I think that goes, that always goes back, and you know me, I never bet on Tennessee. Ever. Yep. Uh, this- don't, don't ever bet on your own team for that reason. This is the this is the absolute reason I never bet on on my team ever in a game like this. And again, because there's this mentality where yes, the the smart thing to do was to not score. But again, if you're up 10 points with a minute and a half to go, you need you, you know, your chances of winning anyway should be way up there in the first place. I mean, that's what happened a few weeks ago when the Falcons, they scored, I think it was Gurley, tried to stop himself, but he fell into the end zone. But then the Falcons' defense just gave up the touchdown at the end of the game. It's like, no, you need to just... So, I'm fine with it either way. If you score, it's great. But the other way, your defense needs to stop them. That's the bottom line. Agreed, yeah. But, I mean... I would rather guarantee a win as yeah. a win than I would try to you know cover a spread. Yeah, now, if there was any sort of inkling that that Chubb had done this on purpose uh, for a betting reason, then we would have a whole other conversation. But oh yeah, really, he just he ran out of bounds to to guarantee the win, and that's that's why you play we we play to win the game. Yep, it is that simple. We don't play they don't play to win bets. Unless you're Michael Jordan, but that's a whole other deal, okay? Yep, yep. But whatever. You play to win the game. Nick Chubb did that perfectly. So, yep. yeah, I, I'm all for that. And and that's why, I mean, it goes back to, and this is part of the reason I never bet on Tennessee, again, with the emotions, but also because I heard the stories back old school when General Nealon coached the team. He knew exactly what the line was when that before that game kicked off. He did not like people betting on his team, so he would screw up the line a lot just because of that. Yeah, heck yeah. Man, Gerald Nathan was just the coolest guy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, meanwhile, one of the things, of course, that happened uh, last night as we've gone through all this, the NBA draft, which is, again, it's weird happening here in November. Usually it happens you know, right after the end. Well, it happens after the NBA season, but again, because of everything going on with NCAA basketball and everything, it got pushed back. Anthony Edwards out of Georgia going on that number one overall pick uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is one of those seasons where you don't have a great, great player to lead the way, obviously like a LeBron James or or a Blake Griffin, some guy you just know is going to be the number one overall pick. But there could be a lot of talent in this game, uh, in this, like James Wiseman uh, as a center from Memphis, heard so many great things about him going to play there in Golden State. Now, again, it sucks that Clay Thompson, reports came out, just injured himself again, is going to be out for the whole next basketball season. But, I think, again, that could be a really good fit there with the Warriors. 
who knows sometimes with a lot of these players in the NBA, you have so it's just like drafts all the time where you have a lot of hype for these players and you think they're the next big thing. And then so many of them just don't pan out, especially in basketball, man. So many of them are Greg Oden. Yeah. You were was going to be the next big thing and just flopped. Yeah. Greg Oden, man. Yeah. Those injuries just, just derailed his career. I look more at Michael Olawa candy is more of who I look at when you talk about a big bust like that. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, even you've got guys, uh, what's the guy he plays for the Heat now, came out with LeBron? Oh, Butler? No, no, it's fine. There was a foreign guy that came out. He got picked right after LeBron. Oh, I know who you're talking about. He went to the Pistons, yeah, because it was like him, it was not Djokovic. It's not Djokovic, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Because it was Adam, Adam Morrison that went to the Bobcats. Some of those, yeah, this were supposed to be the next. They were saying Adam Morrison was the next Larry Bird, <laughs> and, and who you know what I'm saying? Yep, it's just so frustrating sometimes when you uh get get these picks and you think, oh, yep, this is going to turn our whole thing around, and it's not. I mean, oh yeah, in that draft. So it was LeBron James first, and then you had Darko Milicic. That was his name. Yeah, that guy. He went, to, he went to the Pistons, did okay, but then you had Carmelo Anthony at the number three pick, and then you had Chris Bosh at number four. So Yeah, yeah, and then in the middle there is Darko. You know what I'm saying? It, is, it yep. doesn't make any sense. Oh, speaking of the NCAA, and this is just something else we need to look at, because again, it looks like Tennessee basketball will hopefully start tipping off in the next week or so when they have these ideas of the scheduling and everything. It looks like, yeah, November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving, Tennessee is kicking off in the Volunteer Classic against Charlotte and then going to play the day after Thanksgiving against VCU. They're scheduled to tip off. But you have guys like even Rick Pitino, and I have problems with Rick Pitino, but it looks like there's this idea that they're maybe wanting to kind of spread these games out a little bit or push the season back and have more games later and play instead of March Madness, you have May Madness, which could be really interesting. Definitely would be interesting. Um, I think, I don't know, man. Just with COVID, you just kind of got to play everything by ear. Um, but getting back to some sort of normalcy, if we can just play basketball like normal for a year, let's just do that. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm big on because I still have an empty bracket from this past season wanting to fill one out and getting ready to and having a great idea of you know who my final four was going to be. And then it just doesn't come up because of the coronavirus. And I know they have these ideas where it looks like they might be playing the entire NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. Would be, which, be great. Yeah, which which is great. And again, if you want to move it back to May, I, I think the viewership's going to be there in May. If it's not, if it's going to be there in March, and depending on again the reports that everybody's reading, where the vaccine could be readily available to everybody in the spring, then you could even maybe have more people in the stands for it in May. And I think the TV networks would be fine with that because they took a bath on it this last year. Who boy, not making any money on it. Yeah. No, yeah. Just imagine that's going to be, you have all these advertisement promises that you've made and now all that's gone. So, I mean, it's, it's been a really rough year. I mean, not just, not just on sports, man. It's been a rough year on the world. Yeah. Um, so I, I I'm with you. 
if if they think the best call is to push it back, then let's push it back. But I'm all for normalcy. If we can do it in March, let's do it in March. And I am feeling really good about this Tennessee basketball team. Uh, We'll, you know, talk about more of that next week as hopefully the season does tip off from them. They're preseason number 12, and they just added the Jimmy V Classic right at the beginning of uh, December when they play, I think, in Indianapolis. They're playing number one Gonzaga, which just makes me excited because – Every time Tennessee and Gonzaga play, it always seems just to be a great game. It's always a great game, and hey, we've got the best of them the past couple of times, so I'm yep. all for that. All right. And then, of course, you you talk about getting the best of people. Uh, we've got a new champion in the WWE as Drew McIntyre faced Randy Orton in a rematch for his championship uh, that he lost at Hell in the Cell. And Drew McIntyre is now a two-time WWE champion, hitting that Claymore on Randy Orton, clean as a sheet, one, two, three in the ring. So that means you're going to have that champion versus champion match that they always have at Survivor Series with Drew McIntyre facing Roman Reigns at Survivor Series, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely will be a lot of fun. Um, It's always good to see a championship change on Raw or SmackDown. You know what I mean? It it really keeps it interesting for a year. I remember the I was a a teenager like the first time i really saw one happen through you know through the week like on a raw or a smackdown because i had almost lost interest i was like man they're not gonna do anything until the pay-per-view anyway i don't even buy the pay-per-views i gotta wait until monday to see what happened anyway and then i can't i think i saw john cena win one in like 2010 win a championship on raw and it was just incredible um, so getting to see that through the week is always super, super fun. And it keeps it interesting. Yeah, it was great, especially if you do it where it makes sense like that, not just to pop a rating, which right, exactly. can be your issue. If you're just doing it to pop a rating, that's not good. But it it was great to see. Uh, and again, always love to see champions crowned. It's, it's fun to see. It's a great moment. Again, I wish Drew McIntyre could get so much more of this with a crowd there. Because, yeah, you have the Thunderdome, but it's just not the same as with live human beings in the audience. Yeah, no, it's wrestling is one of those, the th- like, AEW and the WWE are literally doing everything they can, um, but wrestling won't be back until we get a stadium full of people. That's true. That is true, and hopefully they can get it by WrestleMania. We'll have to see where all of that goes. But you talk about champions being crowned. They had another one happen in the state of Georgia over the weekend. And again, I'm a big golf guy. Love watching the Masters. Dustin Johnson, a record-breaking 20 under par for the Masters tournament, winning his second career major and winning his first green jacket there at the Masters. Just dominating. He never even sweat in the final round. Like, no one even made him sweat in it. He just had a great championship run and it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, like I said, I'm not the biggest golf guy, but the the thing with golf is you can just get hot and not have to worry about anything, not have to worry about anybody. It's just you versus the ball. You just, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, golf is such mental. It's uh, it's exactly. so mental. Exactly. It just went out there and had you know, the round of his life, and that's what it takes. Yep. And again, that, of course, we always want to talk about that because we always want, besides when we talk about Tennessee, we always want to talk about winners first here on the Man in the Arena podcast. Uh, But we do have to mention defending champion Tiger Woods. Again, he's 44 and again, showed just great redemption 
winning a green jacket last year, winning that Masters. And he was, you know, on and around the leaderboard much of this tournament until he got to the par 3 12th at sick one of those signature holes there at Augusta, one of the most beautiful holes in all of golf. And Tiger Woods hits it in the water three times. Makes just every average, you know, duffer out there like me feel human when he when Tiger Woods cards a 10 is just amazing to see. But then greatest of all time. Yeah. yeah, It it makes everybody has bad days. It shows how humbling golf can be for a lot of these guys. But Tiger Woods did show the heart of the champion and why he is one of the greatest of all times, because there at Augusta, that back nine can make or break you so many times. You see, you know, when Nicholas won his sixth uh, Masters tournament in 1986, just the tear he went on on the back nine. But the fact that after that 10, Tiger Woods got a birdie on five of the last six holes. And some of those holes you just do not birdie, usually on Sunday at Augusta. So it just shows the medal and championship heart that Tiger still has. Just even when it doesn't go your way, you still go out there and find a way to be good and be just, or be just great out there, even if it's not going to be your day. Yep. I, I think that's the true mark of somebody that is great at their craft. It's somebody that can put away. It doesn't matter what the last hole was, whether I'm hauling one day or, or put up a 10 spot. This next, all I'm worried about is putting this ball in that hole in as few strokes as possible, no matter what. Yep. I mean, I think that's, that's exactly what makes a champion. Absolutely. Tiger Woods will forever be a great champion. And now, of course, speaking of champions, let's see who can uh, be the champ this week as we make some of these picks for uh, the college football season. And we'll start. It's high noon on Fox at the Shoe in Ohio State. You've got Indiana, we talked about it, looking to prove themselves and show that they belong in this conversation and a shot at the playoffs. they got to play at Ohio State. The line is 20-and-a-half for Ohio State. I've got Ohio State winning the game, but I'm not touching that line because I think Indiana's either going to keep it close and show some metal or Ohio State's just going to flex on them and blow them out. I just don't know. Well, I can tell you this, Shibley. Uh, I am glad that the game is at noon because um, the bank's open at 9. <laughs> Get down to the bank, take everything that they will give you, sell it all, sell the farm, Indiana is keeping this game to a touchdown. Double down, take the extra action. I, I think Indiana keeps it within six and a half points. Bet it. Okay. I, I, I Just something in my brain does not – I want that to be the case. Like, that's where I am definitely leaning. I've still got Ohio State winning the game. But Ohio State won, and Indiana was not bad last year, you know, because Tennessee played him in the Gator Bowl – but Ohio State beat them by, I think, 40-plus points in Bloomington last year. Now, again, that's last year, so we'll see where it goes. But I hope I am rooting for Indiana. I would love for them to win the Big Ten. I think that would be amazing. I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Ohio State is going to win the game, but Indiana, with this much hype, with this much energy, they're going to keep it within 20 points. And, again, another game we mentioned early in the program, you've got Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, there at home on that weird teal turf that they have. They are hosting Appalachian State. Now, Appalachian State, they're 6-1. and one. I mean, Appalachian State's a good team. They have been the bell cow 
of the Sunbelt Conference, as long as they have been in it. They win that conference. It is just, again, it's death taxes. Appalachian State wins the Sunbelt. So if they want to show that if if Coastal Carolina wants to show that they belong in this conversation and have some outside prayer shot at the playoffs, they got to beat Appalachian State to set up hopefully the greatest game in Sunbelt history when they play Liberty at the end of the year. Coastal Carolina, they are a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I like Coastal Carolina in the points in this one. Yep, I do too. I, I love App State. Appalachian State is one of my favorite college football teams in the country. But I don't think they got a shot this week. I take Coastal Carolina by two touchdowns. Yeah. Another uh, team, they don't have a prove-it game this week. I think this is a game that they just scheduled because they had to. It's BYU. They're playing North Alabama. I guess, you know, one of these games where I think they just had to throw money at some program to come play them because BYU's lost a few games this year of not they're undefeated, but they've just lost some games because of COVID that they can't they can't play and can't get back. But BYU's one of those teams. Just keep winning and you're going to be in this conversation. They might have an outside shot. I've heard some rumors that the Pac-12 might allow some non-conference games to be scheduled if you can fit them in somewhere. You know BYU would be looking to get in those, especially to get into a playoff consideration. Yep. Um, I, I know nothing about the Purple Paladins this season at North Alabama. I know BYU is scheduled by or favored by 47 and a half. Yeah, and I take BYU to, to beat them by 60. So uh, yep. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is one of those money games. Um, but, you know, don't expect an Appalachian State versus Michigan scenario this week. No, I don't see that. Meanwhile, another team that is shown to prove it, Cincinnati traveling down to sunny Orlando, Florida to play the Central Florida Golden Knights. Now, UCF not having one of the seasons that they've had the past few years, even though they started out great, but then they lost to Tulsa. They lost a heartbreaker to Memphis, but then they've turned things around the last couple of weeks, so they're five and two, but they're facing a Cincinnati team that has just been killing people. If Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach, is not a head coach somewhere else next season, either Cincinnati doled out some money or something weird happened. Um, I've got Cincinnati six point favorite. I've got Cincinnati in the points. Oh yeah, I take Cincinnati to win that game by at least two touchdowns. You've got this is an interesting game as Wisconsin again had some trouble with COVID to start the season. They won their first game and then they've lost a few games uh, that they couldn't play because of COVID. They're playing Northwestern, who's four and zero this season so far in the Big Ten. Wisconsin at two and zero. This could be almost for the Big Ten West Championship if it comes down to it. Wisconsin, a seven and a half point favorite on the road at Northwestern. Northwestern always gives Wisconsin fits, but man, I really, really like this Mertz kid from Wisconsin. I've got Wisconsin winning this game, but I do think it's close. I've got Northwestern on the bet. Yeah, I am 100% staying away from this game. Uh, <laughs> Purple Vandy scares me. Um, they really, really do, but I do. I am going to take Wisconsin to win. Real quick on a betting note, do you think uh, Kentucky can get within 30 points of Alabama with that point spread? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I think Alabama beats them by 50. Take out a second loan and, and <laughs> do what you need to do. 
All right, a couple more games before we get to the Big Orange. You've got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, the Bedlam game. Always a crazy one, but Oklahoma, just time after time, yes, every once in a while, Oklahoma State jumps up and bites them, but Oklahoma takes little brother behind the woodshed and beats him down so many times. And Oklahoma has been out of the conversation for so long because of those two losses they had early in the season. They are at home and they are favored over Mike Gundy and the Cowboys by seven points. I've got the Sooners in this one. So we're going to disagree, Shibley. I'm taking the mullets. I think this this is the year of the little brother. COVID's got everything out of whack. I think Oklahoma State gets them. All right. Well, we, yes, you can you can brag on that one. If the Cowboys get the win, I will humbly be just a gracious winner uh, if it goes the other way. Meanwhile, you've got one of these other prove-it games. Liberty, undefeated, 8-0, traveling on the road to NC State to play the Wolfpack, who are a solid team. They're 5-3 and three on the year, and they've run into some teams that they probably should have won a couple of these games. They... I mean, Virginia Tech did whip them, which wasn't a surprise. But they took care of business against Virginia. They beat Duke. They did lose to North Carolina. So when they're getting a good team, they're not playing well. But Liberty's coming in here. NC State's trying to keep the pride of North Carolina on them with Liberty and seeing if the ACC can actually win a game against Liberty because they failed twice. But I've got Liberty getting this game. I've got them winning, even though NC State's favored by three and a half. Yeah, man, I think uh, that you nailed it on the head. I think if it's a classic case of NC State, if a team comes up and hits them in the mouth, they the Wolfpack lays down. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen this week. I think Liberty gets them easy. It's one of these things, of course, we're we're picking some of these teams that have not been able to prove it. We've got hope and heart, but then watch like NC State just just dog walk them at some point, you know. And that very well could happen. Um, I think uh, a Hugh Freeze coach team is going to do better than that, though. Um, I, I take Liberty to win by two touchdowns. All right. Yep, I'm going to that one. I'm going to the bank on that one as well. Now, of course, the game that we're here to talk about it's Tennessee and Auburn. Tennessee of course starting the season 2 and 0 and then has fallen off a cliff since then going on the plains to play an Auburn team that's 4 and 2 and's done better on their the on this back half of the season so far. Both teams were off last week due to due to COVID. Um Tennessee's needing something to happen to salvage something to the season besides just the Vanderbilt game. Auburn is the favorite by currently 10.5 points. Where, where do you see this game going? Because Pruitt and Tennessee was able to get the win a couple years ago for Pruitt's first really big win to win at Auburn. Does Tennessee get it again there, or does Auburn just – does the Gus bus run over Pruitt and the Vols? <sighs> Shibley. Yeah. Me and you talked offline. Yep. I said I wasn't going to pick them. I said, I'm done. I'm done done picking Tennessee every week. I can't do it anymore. Yep. I lied. Oh, dear. I think that Tennessee is going to win this game 15 to 10, and we're going to kick all field goals. Okay. We're going to – Smagley is going to hit five field goals. We're going to play a great defensive game. Uh – 
And I think uh, I think Toto plays out of his mind. I got us winning fifteen to ten. I mean, the way Tennessee is going to have to win this game, they're going to have to get turnovers. They're going to have to slow down that Auburn attack somehow. The defense is going to have to turn things around if they're going to have really any chance of winning this game. I just don't know where their mindset's at. And at this point, as especially since Fulmer's left, when I don't know, I'm going against Tennessee at this point. And that's just how I feel. You can get on me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, all you want if I'm wrong. But I've got Auburn winning this one 31-17. to I've got Auburn beating the spread against the Vols, and Tennessee's going to have to salvage something against Vanderbilt next week. So, But we will have to see. I hope Tennessee can win this game. If they run the ball and can play good defense, they're going to win this game. But they got to go out and do it. They're going to have to prove me wrong because they haven't shown a lick of that. Especially, they got to just have no points scored against them in the third quarter. That's the big thing that's going to have to happen. Yep. The the offense is going to have to move the ball in the second half. That's going to be the name of the game. Um, and I think we'll do it just enough to get in the field goal range. I hope so, man. That would make me just very, very happy. It would make me ecstatic. I would love it. And we would just be so happy on the pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. But until then, I think it's time to wrap this one up, Trey. Where can everybody? Where can all the good people out there find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trey Pack, uh, T-R-E-P-A-C-K. You can find me on Instagram at Trey Pack one uh, you can find me on the Facebook if you want to see where I'm going to be telling the jokes, uh, which this week I'm going to be uh, in Florence, Alabama on Saturday and then in Chattanooga on Sunday. So hit me up if you want tickets or anything for that. Uh, but other than that, just, just find me on there for the yucks. All right. And again, you can find me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. And of course, the Man in the Arena Facebook and Instagram pages where we post the links to this show. And of course, find us wherever you get your fine podcasts, as I've mentioned. Like, subscribe, share. And of course, our other good buddies over at Sagas and Shenanigans. Trey and I are there with my wife, Mrs. Shibbles, and Boston, part of AFK BRB is the Dungeon Master. And we are there with Mike D and uh, Cody CK. Uh, part of the Geeks and Hair to the Earth podcast. We've got all these great podcasts that are playing Dungeons and Dragons on sagas and shenanigans. So you got to check all those out. Check out Wild with a Y, Chase Dyer, Patrick Pope, and Sam Donnelly doing their whatever they do over on that podcast. It's just fun to listen to while I'm out at work. So again, all of them, like, subscribe, share, wherever you get your fine podcasts. We'd love you forever. For all of that, did I miss anything, Trey? Nope. Sounds good to me, buddy. All right. So, everybody, have a great weekend. Go Vols. Too sweet. Love you. See you next time. Bye.